Welcome to the Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast. This is a podcast where we will discuss the sweet nuggets of goodness that come from living the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Ken Williams. The opinions, attitudes, thoughts, and ideas that we discuss are those of the hosts and guests and are not necessarily a reflection of the actual doctrines of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's conversation. And for the first time in a few weeks, it is a conversation. And for our actual conversation today, we have favorite co-host, Annette, Aww. and her husband, Larry, <laughs> or Barry. <laughs> Barry. <laughs> you know, it's, I... It's what? It's Barry. <laughs> yes, we know. I know it's Barry. I was looking at my um, Facebook memories today, and it was 13 years ago that the wife come over... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Made wow. debut. It's been a long time since we've been to your house for Thanksgiving. I know. I may have to share that just so that the world can see <laughs> <laughs> the wife come over. Do you want to describe what that is, Annette? Um, I, how, how do you describe what that well, is? Well, first you have to describe me. You're yes. bald. I'm bald. I was trying not to introduce you the way that Sierra does. Yeah. <laughs> How does Sierra introduce you? Hi, this is my dad. He's bald. <laughs> she, she used to do that when she was younger. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so I had really long hair at the time, and we we're just sitting next to each other and just kind of draped some of my length over his head. We learned he does not look good as a brunette. <laughs> <laughs> and it looked like a bad, a bad toupee, a really bad toupee. <laughs> really bad. But the picture is beautiful. It is. So I'll share that on Facebook and you can uh, enjoy the moment. <laughs> so we've been talking about this uh, this conversation for several weeks as, um, oh, what, what was our last conversation? It was about something really good. It was so good. It was amazing. And we discussed either recording or not recording. I don't remember, but that uh, we need to get Barry on and have him talk about um, his experience with repentance and how he, or whatever it was, I don't remember how it came up, but no, he has some insights and I uh, brought my stuff on the cruise and, uh, ended up being very tired <laughs> most nights. And so that's just kind of, we didn't go anywhere with it. So Barry, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. The only rules we don't talk about Mark, we don't mention him by name because we have to. Hey. <laughs> Sorry about that. You just did. <laughs> um, Annette is the favorite, and she likes to make sure that she maintains her status as favorite, and she maintains her status as most frequent. And I think we're uh, in no danger of either one of those being surpassed by another sibling. Mm -mm. As soon as I have evidence that Candace actually listens, then I'll uh, I'll inv invite her to be on. <laughs> and as we, and I'm just gonna address the elephant in the room and the elephant only is for um, maybe the three of us that are on our zoom call. But uh, yes, Barry, you can talk about meatloaf and <laughs> <laughs> all right, we can make sure that we uh, discuss what meatloaf should have as the proper consistency. This, this is a topic of high content. <laughs> 
I know. Just, I'll, I'll just say that meatloaf should not be dry. That's all. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens from that comment. I'm going to make sure. I'm, I'm going to be careful to not comment yet. Sometimes I get angry texts from people. Well, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes I get texts from people. Sometimes I do get angry texts from people saying um, the opposite of a shout out or something like that. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking because I'm going to get myself in trouble uh, more than I usually <laughs> usually am. But um, one of the things that we have kind of hinted at uh, in the past is repentance. And I'm just going to throw out what my experience has been. Uh, I remember several years ago as the, I was the stake young men's president and sitting in a young men's lesson, somebody had written the five or six R's or whatever. I don't even remember what the R's of repentance are because of uh, where my attitude is about the <laughs> five or six R's. I know that there's some recognition and some remorse and some, um, I don't know, st other stuff. But the, um, the instructor was going through these things and, and there was some, a, a question that just struck me. And um, the question that I asked was, do you have to finish the, you have to complete all the steps, quote unquote, the steps of repentance before you're forgiven. And um, that was an interesting question for me because I'd never considered it. I'd never considered where forgiveness fits in the process. So, um, talk a little bit, Barry, about what your, um, how you came, how, where your insights came from and what the, where your, where your thoughts are. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't consider myself any serious expert in any particular gospel topic. I do. But, um, <laughs> you know. I you have, you are on the high council right now, so that means you're an expert on a lot of things, right? You know everything. You know the handbook. That was you, you pretended to be an expert. <laughs> oh, that's right. But, um, no, I mean you do have a beard, so I do have to discount your yeah. opinion a little bit. So I don't, I don't know. I've just kind of recently gone through an interesting journey of my own personal perspective with with things going on in our life with um, kids getting older and. Um, health issues and other things we've been dealing with. And it's kind of had me turn inward a little bit and think about things differently. And I've kind of just in my research um, stumbled upon some, a really cool podcast and, and a really good book on, on the topic of repentance. And it's, it's really been kind of like a, a, a game changer for me, mm -hmm. definitely a perspective shift um, in terms of, what it means to repent, what it means to forgive, what it means to exercise the atonement in our lives. Mm -hmm. And it's really just been, um, uh, I feel like my perspective on repentance has become a lot more um, positive, I guess. Okay. I feel like, I feel like I've had my whole life basically with, you know, kind of the topics and what, what, what we're taught, felt like repentance is almost like a form of a punitive, uh, like, like it's, it, there's this punitive action that you need to take, mm -hmm. right. In order to finally be back in good graces. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's this checklist that you should follow. And, um, well, you and I have talked about 
not liking to end the day on a laundry list of all the ways we screwed up that day. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? And so, so there's, there's just been some, some cool insightful things that I've learned that has changed the way I think about repentance, changed the way I think about the atonement mm-hmm. um, and how to exercise it. Um, they, they say all the time, right? Right. Exercise, you need to exercise the atonement and you need to exercise it daily. But a lot of people maybe don't really understand or recognize what that actually means. Yeah. And I will say I'm just barely starting to kind of understand it myself based on some of these things I've studied. Yeah. And they've been pretty uh, life-changing for me. That's cool. Um, I've got a friend who was um, a few years ago, uh, in a, his marriage was not working out really well and he made some decisions that uh, jeopardized uh, his membership in the church. And by jeopardize, I mean, he lost it. He, um, has found himself not, uh, actively, uh, participating or, or really, really not even a member of the church right now. And I remember spending some time with him, uh, sometime after this all went down and he said, you know, it's been a year and I've got a son who's reaching this age. And I don't remember if it was the, the age of eight to be baptized or age of 12 to, to, uh, receive the priesthood. But, uh, he was obviously in a position where he was not able to engage in that ordinance in the way that he had imagined. And, and his comment to me was, well, it's been a year. What's taking so long. Mm. And so, um, my only thought at the time was, huh, <laughs> sounds like there's something he's not quite getting, but I don't know that I ever applied it that type of, of, um, mindset to myself that I, I'm not sure that I really understand it either. So, um, talk about what, because we've heard this a couple times in general conference recently that we need to, uh, repent daily. Um, yeah. and so what does that mean to you? So can I talk about the, the no. sources? Because I definitely would recommend them yeah, for absolutely. study. So the, the, the really, the big one that I've really liked is um, a podcast called Redeemed Through His Blood, a discussion of hope, healing, and redemption by David T. Durfee and Scott F. Durfee. And that's spelled D-U-R-F-E-Y. If you probably just Googled Durfee Redeemed, um, you, would, you would find it. It's a really amazing podcast. And um, David Durfee is a retired CES um, uh, seminary teacher. Yeah, professor. Like, so he, he taught um, seminary. In fact, if you go into the Seminary Institute catalog, he, he was the one that created there. There is a series, I think, called Redeemed Through His Blood or a series on the atonement that you can go through in, in through the Seminary Institute program. But um, he was also influential in consulting with um, Neil, uh, Elder Neil L. Anderson, um, okay. who recently wrote the book, The Divine Gift of Forgiveness. And that's the other thing I'd recommend is the book, The Divine Gift of Forgiveness. But, um, and they will, they would definitely do a much better job of explaining the atonement <laughs> than I will in my kind of recalling it from, from, and from the things I've learned. But um, let, let's go just, I mean, let's start with your initial question on like, how do I know I'm forgiven? Okay. Right. Was that kind of a, 
So let's talk about that a little bit, right? Yeah. So um, the the concepts that I've learned is forgiveness, first of all, um, is kind of a continual process. The atonement is something that you need to exercise daily and um, something that kind of hit me in, in the conversations and, and the th- things that were discussed in, in, in this podcast was that we're not supposed to be repenting of just one sin. Hmm. If you look in the scriptures and read through it, it always, it, it doesn't say repent of your one big sin. Right? Okay. Right. What does it say? It says repent of your sins. Hmm. You should be laying all of your sins on the altar mm-hmm. on a regular basis. They, you know, they say daily, right. You should, daily repenting of your sins, not, not it's, it's plural. It's not singular. Right. And I think a lot of us tend to go, what's the big sin I'm struggling with right now. I really need to repent of that. Right. But really what we're supposed to be recognizing is that we're not perfect. Mm. We need the atonement daily and we should be laying all of our sins on the altar or our humanness, our humanness. Yeah. Okay. I design what, we're here because we have this humanness and, and that's what the atonement is for. And just recognizing the the need for repentance daily. So, you know, that, that's, that's one component of it, right? Mm-hmm. We should be asking for forgiveness regularly and we should be, we should feel if, if we're doing everything in our power, we should feel that we're getting forgiveness mm-hmm. because that's what the atonement's all about. But, but the other component of this is, um, yeah, I mean, there's, I'm sure I, I can't quote one specifically, but you can find lots of conference talks or people talking about, um, you know, if you're receiving forgiveness, mm-hmm. if you can feel the Holy Spirit in your life, right. if you're feeling the, if you're feeling the Holy Ghost, if you're feeling prompted by the Holy Ghost, if you're feeling um, the Spirit as you study the scriptures, or if you listen to, you know, a talk in sacrament or, um, you know, fast and testimony meeting and you're feeling touched by the spirit. If you're being touched by the spirit, you know that the atonement is working in your life and yeah. that you're actually being forgiven. Okay. So I don't know. Talk to me about that. Does that, <laughs> how does that resonate? Does that, cause wait for me, a second. I, I asked oh, the questions here. <laughs> really? <laughs> Hey, you said I could ask questions. You can ask very questions. That is, anybody oh, could okay. ask me questions. No, I think that's a, I think that's a good point. And um, I think as you were talking, I I just kind of went back to the lessons, the way that I've learned the lessons of my childhood and youth and on up. Um, a lot of times, I think we simplify, and I'll use simplify in air quotes, the uh, the process of repentance um, by having the checklist, but also if I remember hearing, and um, I think I remember hearing people say that if you if you repent of a sin, and then you do that thing again, then you haven't repented. So that just so there's I think there's something there that number one, um, repentance is a continual process, and um, I think there's also a distinction between repentance. And forgiveness, repentance, and forgiveness aren't necessarily tied together. So I think there's something in there about that. But also, there's um, there's this. I think for me, there's been this kind of a buildup in my mind about um, 
I've got to gather this strength and this energy, and I work towards accomplishing this great achievement of quote-unquote repenting for a sin. And so considering that we need to repent of our sins and, and really addressing our that natural man is that's a totally different way of thinking about the process of repentance and about engaging with the atonement of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And actually, uh, brother Durfee discusses the concept of that, that idea that, you know, say one particular sin, I've repented of it. And then if I, if I, repeat that sin one more time, then all of the sins are layered back on top of us. Right. I've struggled with that because that doesn't resonate with the nature of God as I, as I, it's been taught to me. Okay. You know, that doesn't seem like something, somebody who loves me so much and cares for my, my well being would be like, well, oh, well, you know, kind of that, that attitude of I messed up because mm-hmm. I'm human and then and then all of the other times I messed up are back on my like like I didn't mean it all the other times when maybe I really did mean it that Which I really was... kind of means that that we need to attain perfection in order to become in order to truly repent yeah but but that's not what we believe that's not what I believe. Uh-huh. I, I, that's not what we're trying to communicate or to teach. Um, I don't know if that's like just a fear-based teaching that kind of came out of the that time in the 1800s. Uh, maybe. When everything was hellfire and damnation. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Beep. <laughs> I don't have the yeah. beat button. I've got to get that program. Dang it. Yeah, so we were taught, and I'll kind of, if it's okay, I'll quote from um, President Anderson's um, book, The Divine Gift of Forgiveness. You know, as as children, we were taught about the uh, five R's. Mm -hmm. Um, We're supposed to recognize what we've done wrong. We're supposed to feel remorse. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to resolve any change, you know, resolve to change our behavior. and realize that our own willpower isn't enough. We're supposed to reform, mm-hmm. uh, and supposedly, you know, never repeat the offense again. Right. And then we're supposed to make restitution, right? So recognize remorse, resolve, reform and restitution. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and this was kind of what we were taught in, you know, primary and in, in childhood, but, um, what I've learned, what I've come to learn that that I think would be powerful for a lot of people to think about is um, repentance isn't really a checklist. Mm-hmm. Uh, repentance isn't a, a change of behavior. Mm-hmm. Repentance isn't um, something that the church provides for you. Mm-hmm. Um and, and if you think about, like, you know, the the comment that Brother Durfee made was um, you don't, you, you could be an atheist and you can change your behavior. That's not repentance, right? right? Um, true repentance is turning towards the Savior. Um, that's true repentance. And that's, that's really kind of been the big epiphany moment for me. Uh-huh. It's 
is that's what repentance is. Repentance is changing your life in a way that you're now focusing on the Savior. Okay. Uh, and and he he you know and 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 when we say focus on the Savior, not just like thinking about the Savior in general, thinking about what the Savior did for you, and, and specifically in the Garden of Gethsemane mm-hmm. and on the cross. Yeah. Um, and learning, truly learning, understanding, and and respecting and honoring what the Savior did for you, and in in doing that, that is what changes you, mm-hmm. right? Um, your quote unquote reformation is not really of you. Your your change comes from the Savior. Mm-hmm. The Savior gives you a new heart, right? Right. Um, it's not like you per se, make, make a change. Now that's not to say these steps or whatever don't happen. They kind of are a natural thing that happens if your focus is properly on the savior Yeah, and you've turned towards him. So it's, it's kind of interesting to me. I almost look at it as almost like a, a sliding scale of your kind of your perspective of your life of the more you turn to the savior, the more you're exercising the atonement. And the more, the more you turn to the savior, the less you want to commit sins of commission or omission. Right. And clearly that's a very sliding scale, right? Mm -hmm. You can be very committed in in turning to the savior and hundred percent focused and trying to be a a disciple. A discipleship is an active um, way of being right. Mm Mm-hmm you could be kind of further down on that sliding scale and maybe not turned fully to him, just turned a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is Thomas being practiced in your life at that point? I would say yes. Um, and of course the savior wants us to turn fully to him, right? That's, that's, right. I mean, if you look at the, what he taught and what the scriptures teach, it's all about turning to him. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, uh, it, it was kind of like a light bulb came on that can, that's the atonement turning to the savior. How much time do I spend thinking about him, grateful for him, striving to be his disciple Uh uh, in my life? That is what exercising the atonement truly is. And the the concepts of repentance and all those, you know, the five R's or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, those things kind of come naturally. Um, so maybe daily repentance is could be rephrased as a daily um, realigning okay. your perspective to like more of a more eternal, like a daily realigning yeah. of which to me feels a lot better than, okay, here's all the ways that I failed or I was human mm-hmm. or I screwed up or because of these other things were happening, I reacted poorly. Right. Here's, here's all the things that I did, um, like a daily realigning of, of my perspective, trying to keep an eternal perspective and, and keep that focus. That feels a lot better yeah. to end a day like that than it does to be like, here's a laundry list of all the way, all my shortcomings. Right. It doesn't feel very good. And I don't feel like God wants us to focus on all the ways we're not living up to some imagined or real measuring stick. Right. And because I think um, a perspective that that I think I had growing up is that um, 
we have these rules, we have these checklists and things like that. And that's a way that God can keep out the riffraff. He keeps the, keeps people out of, um, the celestial kingdom. And I think, um, it's an, it's interesting to consider what if he's trying to find ways to let everybody in and that daily turning towards the savior, that daily, um, check in, um, that I just imagine that being a much different, it, that feels like a very different experience to me than, um, okay, I did this, I did this, I had this unkind thought, I had this behavior that was not uh, aligned with what I think I I should do. Um, and making that, that list, um, it just seems, it just seems so much, nicer. I want a better word than that, but it just seems so much, so much lighter to have well, a, to me it feels possible, right? Yeah. Like it just, like, the other just has always felt for me so incredibly impossible. I will never do all of the things right. 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 I'm going to have a bad reactive thought, or I'm going to have a bad day where other things are, are play into it. I'm going to mm-hmm. have these human experiences right. and, and I don't have control over some of the human experiences that I have. Right. You know, maybe because of our imperfect bodies or because of the choices of other people, but I do have control over a daily or hourly or whatever perspective shift mm-hmm. or Absolutely. like, Physically, I know one thing that Barry said, and he and I've been talking about is like, a f- if you imagine like a physical turning mm-hmm. to somebody, yeah. you know, by doing that, I am turning my back on some things, maybe of the world or, mm-hmm. you know, to, to cast my gaze or my focus to, to God or to the savior. Right. Um, and and I, I think like that is a big part of repentance, right? Just because it's like, Removing what was one of the R's about removing something from your life, but reform, reform, (laughs) you know, you are, if you do, if you are regularly, whatever that looks like for you. And I like how Barry was saying, like, maybe, maybe you're not all the way turned, but you're at least like side eyeing, you're, you're trying. And maybe that's as as good as it's going to get for you in that. And I think that's, I hope that that's good enough for God taking into account what is happening in our life. Yeah. You know, the the choices that we've made, the choices that we haven't made that have been made for us by other people or, or experiences. And so just, it it feels more hopeful. It feels possible as opposed to just, there's no way I can do it. I might as well not try, which is a human, you know, human well, it's, and that's, I think that's a natural thought for a lot of us, especially if we have this, this, uh, imagined expectation for ourselves, or we imagine that there's some, um, divine expectation of us that we're going to achieve perse- perfection, uh, this week, this month, this year, or even this lifetime. So President Anderson and Brother Durfee's contention on those five R's is, I mean, while, while those are all good things, right, that we mm-hmm. should try to do none of them mentions the savior in them. That's true. Doesn't talk about how the focus on the savior 
And hopefully I'll find it in the book somewhere. He puts, if there were a checklist, this is how I'd revise it. And it's all focused on the savior. Mm-hmm. But, um, that's, that's, that's their contention is the atonement is about turning to the savior. Repentance right. is about turning to the savior. Um, and that's just, that's, that's been kind of a, a big epiphany for me to, to change my concept of the atonement and repentance to looking at how I am focused in my life and how, how is my discipleship in my um, thoughts and daily, daily, uh, you know, study and my activity, my, you know, everything I'm doing in my day, how am I turning to the savior? Mm-hmm. Right. Having, having that kind of a perspective and concept has not necessarily been something that I've done well. I mean, you always hear, read your scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. And make sure you pray. But I think true discipleship is studying about the Savior and trying to emulate. Well, if you're praying, him. what are you saying in your prayers? If right. you're, you know, it's like, oh, I, I screwed up here and here. And, you know, you, we go back to a laundry list. Yeah. If, if we're just focusing on saying your prayers and reading your scriptures, we're back to a laundry list of well, all the ways. We... Yeah, and, and even reading your scriptures, if, if the words are going from the page into your brain, it doesn't mean that they're actually making any kind of an impact. Well, uh, and even in the scriptures we have, it's like a glimpse, right? You have somebody who wrote about an experience that happened 20 years ago, and so they have already the, the perspective mm-hmm. And what they learned from it, and then sometimes I think we are reading it as it's happening. You right. know, and it's like, oh, they're so righteous and so amazing because they learned. <laughs> and and they're probably heavily self-edited. I'm sure that Nephi didn't um, <laughs> divulge everything, all the mistakes that he made. He sanitized some of that probably. And Yeah. So I like this quote um, from President Anderson's book. He says, repentance is not an event but a way of life, something we embrace for all of mortality. In our desire to become more like the Savior, we never stop repenting. So with that mindset, what has that um, approach looked like for you? It's a good question. Like, while you're thinking about it, I'll say like when, when he shared that quote with me, it was mind blowing Mm -hmm. because whatever was taught to me growing up and the way repentance was talked about, I learned that it was an event, right? It was something that you did and then you were good. Just like your sin is an event. And so the repentance should be an event, or at least that's kind of how it came across. And you should suffer some Mm -hmm. through the repentance process. And that's one thing that, that we've been learning is that it's not, you know, there, there may be natural consequences. I know dad talked a lot about natural consequences and, and that cause suffering, Mm -hmm. but repentance in and of itself should not be suffering. And those, those were mind blowing to me Mm -hmm. as far as shifting away from the, I wish I could remember what that with that time period during the 1800s when there was a lot of fervor mm-hmm. and the and and it was all kind of pulpit pounding um yeah fear based 
teaching that has leached into our culture. Yeah. Um, that's just because that's, I'm not, it's not a criticism. It's an observation. Yeah. And, and I think we, the way we talk about some of these things still carries over some of that, like do this or else God's going to be disappointed. You don't right. want to disappoint God. And so, so for me, it's kind of a, a shift of focus of like what you were saying, like he's trying to get us back into be with him. Mm-hmm. Like that's the goal. The goal isn't to sift us out and only a few are going to be there. The goal is to get everybody there. We're going to get right. all of the chances. And, and so he gives us this, the atonement and he gives us repentance to help us keep our focus where it should be. Yeah. But just mean we're not going to screw up because we're human. And I feel like sometimes we, we criticize and self-condemn our humanness Mm -hmm. and our kids regularly would say when they were growing up, well, I'm not perfect. (laughs) We're not asking you to be perfect. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So back to your question and, you know, I'm probably not going to be very eloquent in in my my chain of thought as I go through this, but um, I kind of, when you asked the, the, the concept of shame came, came into my, my mind. Uh And that's been another kind of the big epiphany for me. Shame is of the devil. Mm -hmm. Shame has nothing to do with the savior and our heavenly father and what they want in our lives. Right. And um, there is a lot of shame, I think, in making mistakes and messing up. Yes. In sin, right? We we pile it on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we see it in other people judging others for right for, for sins. Um, or and so, not even just their sins, but the, the even the situation that they find themselves in, or their even the decisions that their kids make. There's a lot of shame that gets spread around with everything. Right. And so um, I just want to kind of highlight that. Um, do we believe our own stuff? Do we believe that we're here on this earth to make mistakes and learn and grow because of them? Do we truly believe that? Mm-hmm. And if that is the case, these mistakes that we make um, are for our own good. Yeah. They're actually to help us turn to the Savior. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a that's a good thing. I'm not saying that we should celebrate our mistakes, but what I'm saying is we shouldn't have shame. Right. Mistakes. We should look at this as an opportunity to learn and grow and turn towards the Savior. And then the other part of do we believe our own stuff is do we believe that the atonement applies to to to, to us personally? Mm-hmm. Does the atonement apply to me. Right. If it does, if I'm turning to the Savior then the atonement is covering me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually the atonement, whatever the original translation of the word, the term is, it's a, it's a cover, right? Okay. Just like uh, Adam and Eve were given coats of skin to cover them, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, the, um, the temple garment is a representation of a covering, Mm-hmm. that covers us um, through the atonement. Um, so do we actually believe that? And if we believe that and we're turning to the Savior and regularly asking for forgiveness, putting our sins on the altar, mm-hmm. all of our sins, not just the ones that you know are important to us right now, yeah. um, then we should feel like we're forgiven 
yeah. and act as if we are forgiven and turn more closely towards the savior. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, so for me, what it means to have this be an active, regular part of, of your life, it's having a, a regular retrospective of how, how am I turning to the savior? How mm-hmm. well am I doing in that? What should I ask the savior for help with? Um, how do I ask for forgiveness of my sins today? What does it mean to, to lay my sins on the altar and ask for forgiveness? I would say some days it is more specific. I might say a very you know specific prayer of please forgive me of this, this, and this. But also I'm now my new my new concept is I say please forgive me for all of my sins. I recognize that I'm asking for forgiveness of all of them, all my flaws, mm-hmm. all you know. And it's done with more, instead of a perspective of this is a, some sort of a punishment because I'm so bad, I've got to ask for repentance. Instead, it's done joyfully because it's actually part of the plan. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's why the Savior came to the earth was to enact the atonement and yeah. to um, be that intermediary for our inherent, our inherent humanness, our inherent flawed uh, natural man that we're working against. Yeah. Right. And that there it's, it's for our good. It's to help us learn and grow and, and re- learn to rely on the savior and want to turn to him even more. And so I feel like it's, I, I look at it now more of this virtual virtuous cycle, mm-hmm. upward cycle yeah. of growing closer and closer to the savior daily through becoming more connected to him. Mm. I like that, that, uh, visual of, um, to me, that makes it a little bit easier to, to really implement is, um, becoming more connected with the savior. I think a lot of times when we think about the, when we think about the plan, we think about the atonement as the backup. If you make mistakes, then we'll, uh, be able to take advantage of the atonement. But this is the plan. The whole purpose of this life is for us to go through this plan, um, to, to have those experiences. Um, so what can we do to, um, gain that personal understanding that the atonement applies to us? It's, I think it's really easy for me to look at Marcine, for example, look at my sweet wife, who's almost perfect. She says she's perfect and I'm next to perfect or I'm nearly, I'm next to perfect when I'm standing by her. That's the closest I'm going to get, I guess. But it's really easy to look at somebody else and say, well, of, co- of course, the atonement applies to them, but no, not, not for me. And I think there's some element of shame in there as well, that whatever I've done or whatever I've thought or whatever I uh, haven't done is so egregious that there's no coming back. Yeah. And that's that's that shame, right? Yeah. That, that, that we are, that, that is hitting us and we're... It's such a human behavior for us to to sit and dwell in that shame, in that shameful space of it doesn't it doesn't apply to me. Everybody else the atonement works on, but but for me, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Um, so this is hard because I, I've been there. I will not lie; I've definitely been there in my life. This is where simple, from my perspective, 
simple understanding of the atonement, a better understanding of what the atonement is, how it works, mm-hmm. um, what the Savior did in Gethsemane is what you need to start with. Okay. So like you literally need to go into the New Testament and read mm-hmm. what happened. Find find some, you know, good books from, you know, apostles and prophets that s- speak about um, the atonement and, and what Christ did for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus the Christ comes to mind. Um, and other good books like uh, President Anderson's book on forgiveness mm-hmm. and understand the doctrine, right? What, what was it that was said, teaching the doctrine is... Yeah, the Boyd K. Packer quote, I think it was, that we, yeah. um, understanding doctrine changes behavior um, better or yeah. faster than understanding behavior. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. People to change behavior or whatever. So, so if you're feeling that way, that it doesn't apply to you or that you've somehow um, sinned worse than other people, Mm-hmm. And that you're, it, you can't be covered. Right. Um, I would encourage you to go in and study what what did what did the Savior do? Um, what did he suffer? How 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 did that happen? Um, for what purpose was it? Um, and start to understand the concepts of um, unconditional repent or unfor- un- unconditional atonement and conditional atonement. And, and what occurred mm. there start to start to understand what the savior did for you because he did it. He truly did it for each and every one of us. His, his atonement was universal, mm-hmm. universally covers each and every one of us, right? Every sin that was ever committed or ever will be committed mm-hmm. was atoned for in the garden of Gethsemane and on the cross. Well, I think that's hard for some people because I know for me, because that's so incomprehensible. Yeah. Like it just, it just feels so impossible. And, and so but I think we've inadvertently created a culture that is not a safe place to ask questions. True. You're, you're stating we need to start asking some questions. So we also need to get really comfortable with asking questions. Yeah. And because if you can't ask those questions, you, you can't like look into it, right? right if you don't right. say, if, if you feel like if I'm asking a question, that means I'm going astray or I'm, I'm being deceived because I'm not just believing without asking, which is so fascinating to me <laughs> because our whole church is founded and grown on questions. Right. And, but yeah. I, feel like, I feel like it was totally an inadvertent thing that's happened over the years mm-hmm. of for somehow when we ask questions, we're challenging somebody else's testimony when we're just trying to maybe get our own right. or strengthen our own or get understanding. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things with questions is, um, was a question we think there's supposed to be an answer. And when you start getting into some of the, the, I I want to call them deep questions because, uh, because they are deep, but, but they're not tangential questions. They're deep, um, maybe personal questions. I think a lot of times those questions, because we start thinking about the atonement in a different way, 
or we start thinking about our relationship with uh, the Savior in a way that we've never considered before. Um, some of those things don't have easy answers. And that for some people could be very scary. It, it I remember as a seminary teacher, um, when it struck me that I don't have to have the answers. When my kids would ask questions, it was, it was freeing when I realized all I got to do is ask them <laughs> what the Spirit is teaching them. I don't have to come up with the answers. And really, as we discover the answers through, it could be through discussion, through searching and pondering and praying and, and counseling with each other. But those answers are so much sweeter than something that somebody just gives us. Um, I wanted to comment also just um, on the the idea that the atonement doesn't apply to to me, that idea, that thought. That's a very shame-based thought because shame is the idea that, not that I did something wrong, but that I am wrong. I am bad because I thought, did, didn't do, didn't behave in a, in a specific way. That's where the shame comes in. And, um, I, I can see where it would be really easy for somebody who believes that they're bad. They are, um, evil uh, because of their, their behavior or their thoughts. That would be really easy for them to say, there's no way, there's no way that God could love me. And I think, um, to your point also, Barry, um, studying the, the life of the savior is, uh, is where a lot of that comes in, but also developing an understanding of how he feels about you as an individual and not you as a group, not you as a congregation, but, and really turn it around. How does he feel about me? How does my yeah. father in heaven feel about me? One simple way to look into that is where did the savior spend his time? Mm, did he yeah. spend his time with the quote unquote perfect people? <laughs> no was with the sinners. <laughs> That's right. right. Criticized for it too. Right. So um, the worth of a soul is great in the eyes of, of God, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that's every one of us. We're all his children and we have, we're invaluable to him. It's why the Savior came to the earth and why we have the atonement. Yeah. I think there's a... Um, a natural tendency. I, one of my absolute favorite scriptures is the, the natural man is an enemy to God because the way that we can define natural man, I think is so broad and it's so all encompassing. And, um, I think as natural men and women, we are enemies to God because of how we naturally think or how we naturally behave or how we naturally react to situations and um, overcoming that is what I think turns us to Christ. Is as, or I should say that the other way, that as we turn to Christ is how we overcome the natural man. Um, we become more like Christ. Um, as, we, as we become more like Christ, then we shed the natural man. And that is, uh, I think it was Nephi who said that he, as he, um, not remember the exact, um, exact words, but he got to the point where he had no desire to do evil, but to right. do good continually. And I think we can get there. But I think also 
we end up being so hard on ourselves because we have this expectation of perfection. And um, I love the idea. Kurt Frankham in his podcast has talked about the, this uh, several times where if you think about a toddler uh, learning to walk or somebody who's learning to ride a bike, that if, if you're the one who's helping to support, as they fall, as they stumble, as they um, <laughs> crash and burn, as a, an imperfect parent, uh, you're there just cheering them on. Great job. You're going to get it next time. You're doing exactly the way you should be doing. And um, I think, I think that's how our father in heaven is with us. That great job. You'll get there. And uh, we're so hard on ourselves that <laughs> we end up saying something like, I'm never going to walk again. I'm never going to ride my bike. I'm never, this is stupid. I can't do it. And um, I think that's part of the natural man as well. But I think our father in heaven is just cheering us on. No, you've got this. You can do it. And I don't expect you to, to walk 400 miles <laughs> right now. I just expect you to take the next step. I even heard somebody say in relation to that, like, you know, as adults, when we're screwing up, that it's like, hey, you you made it four whole days before you did <laughs> right. that again. Good job. That was yeah. awesome. Now, let's get to five days. Yeah. Let's get to six days. You know, yeah. the, the, the Savior's doing that mm -hmm. instead of like, are you kidding me? You did this again? That's right. All your sins are back on your head. <laughs> yeah. Huh? You're hopeless. You know what I mean? Like, and, right. and we do that because of comparison and... And shame, and I think this expectation that we should be able to, because we want to, yeah. we should be able to to be good because we want to be good, but we, we also are human and right. are still like this is the first time I've ever been this age with this life experience, mm -hmm. and so I've been working really hard to try and just give myself a little bit more grace yeah. and compassion because. I would absolutely extend that to a toddler sure. or a baby or a small child, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you're just learning. You've never, well, I'm like, okay, Nat, you're just learning. <laughs> You've never been this age before and yeah. had to deal with this. And there's a there's yeah. a phrase I hear a lot of times um, as I've been coaching people. Of course, of course, you're going to make that mistake. Of, of course, you don't know any better. You've never been like I like that idea. You've never been this age before. One thing that. Um, kind of comes to mind and, and it's talked about in Durfee's podcast is um, a lot of us probably have a skewed view of what Heavenly Father is like as a father figure mm -hmm. because I think all of us kind of conflate our own fathers or fathers that we know, right. fathers that we see on TV or whatever as kind of um, how Heavenly Father is. And I, I don't think any of us has had a father that hasn't gotten upset at us True. or been frustrated or angry at us, right? Or um, we as fathers have gotten upset or, or frustrated. Or we as fathers have done that ourselves, absolutely. I have messed up time and time again and got upset when I shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. But what we need to understand is our Heavenly Father is a perfected being. Right. He's omniscient and he sees time is not in his, you know, he sees all time, space and time like, all it's, it's all a at human once. Yeah. Time is a human construct. And he has a much better perspective than we do. Like this, right. this little point in our life that might seem like the worst, most 
terrible thing that that's going on. He's got a perspective that is very different from ours. And I don't think that he is angry mm -hmm. with us probably ever. Right. I, I would pause that. I don't think he's ever angry with us as individuals. I think he's always rooting for us and wants us to learn and grow and, and has a perspective of our true worth yeah. of what, what our potential is. And he's, he's constantly looking at, at that and encouraging us towards it. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, I had one other thought that I, uh, has now uh, dropped from my mind. So, um, exactly. So this won't probably go over an hour because <laughs> otherwise, who knows? Who knows where the, where this would go? Um, but is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap things up? Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the sacrament as a part of the atonement. Okay. Um, and that's just been another thing that was kind of. Um, and another of the epiphanies for me. And, you know, we've, we've heard that the sacrament is a part of the atonement, right? Our, our covenants that we make is part of the atonement. Mm -hmm. But um, when we make the promise um, that we will always remember him, always remember the Savior. Yeah. Um, Brother Durfee um, suggests that it's not just it's not just remembering the Savior. Oh, I, I see a picture of the Savior in my mind as I'm taking the sacrament. Mm -hmm. He he believes that what the Savior wants us to remember is what he did in Gethsemane and on mm -hmm. the cross for us. That is what he wants us to be remembering at that point. But then when he says, always remember him, mm -hmm. he wants us to be thinking about that and focusing on what the Savior has done for us. And I believe that it should be done in, in, a, in a joyful way hmm. and in a grateful way and um, in a way that makes us go, I want to use that more and more in my life through turning to him, remembering what he did um, in Gethsemane. Um, we are truly exercising the atonement uh, on a daily basis. And so that, that's been also kind of, uh, kind of an upgrade of how, how I, do the sacrament now when, when I'm thinking of always remember him now mm -hmm. I'm thinking, Oh, that's, that's not just, you know, have some kind of pie in the sky view of the savior and how right. great he is. Or an image of that picture that we, right. Yeah. It is thinking about what the savior did for me personally mm -hmm. in Gethsemane and on the cross and taking that time to reflect about how, how am I turning towards him? How am I exercising the atonement in my life? Yeah. I like um, that. That's, that's been a big thing for me. That's cool. Well, if I come up with my other, <laughs> my other thought, ah, who knows, maybe we'll talk about it next time, but uh, that's right. <laughs> so, um, this has been, this has been good. I think uh, there's been a, um, a good, uh, a good discussion and, there's other things that I would love to attack, uh, to tackle at some point. And, um, the idea that I, that I want to address is the idea of judgment and how, if I'm going through this repentance process, the way that, that we've been talking about it, uh, where does that put judgment as we watch other people going through or not going through their own process? Um, so, there's the teaser for next time. I don't want to tackle that because <laughs> that could be a really, uh, that could be a lot of fun, but I would love to, 
to talk about how we um, how we consider that uh, other people as they are going through their path, um, whatever their path looks like. But thanks for taking some time and uh, sharing some thoughts. I'm, I've got that podcast now on my device. I've subscribed. I'll start listening. There's, I think, maybe it's just 33 episodes. It's not very many right now. Yeah, but, that's uh, about the first 20 is basically the, the Seminary and Institute lessons. Yeah. Okay. Um, so those are, I definitely recommend. Yeah. And they're, um, they're not that long either. They're, you know, about as long as this one, about between yep. 40 and 55 minutes or so. But uh, thanks for taking the time. We will, um, we would love to hear feedback if you guys have thoughts or ideas about how, how do we uh, shift our own ideas or shift our personal culture to have a better, a more open, more inviting way to um, repent and request forgiveness. And with that, we'll talk to you next week. Probably it's getting to be the busy season and I'll do the best that I can to get uh, episodes out on a weekly basis. If not, then I'm going to blame every person who ships via FedEx because that's what's <laughs> keeping me busy. <laughs> but thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Chocolate Cake Bites. Please like, share, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear your comments and ideas and you can reach out to me at ken at chocolatecakebites.com. And before you end the day, Take a few minutes to consider, who do you know who needs chocolate cake? <laughs>